Rome once fell, and all great civilizations do. Is America falling? Could we be doing more? Some say it's because we have stopped focusing on learning and understanding what it means to be a good citizen. That's what this podcast is all about. If civics is dead, what happens next? I've been thinking a lot about democracy lately and the future of democracy, particularly in the United States. And I want to welcome you to my new podcast called Civics is Dead, a sad but true fact. We will be talking today about what is happening to the study of civics in the United States, particularly. In terms of my bio, and uh, for your knowledge and edification, I have been in the trenches of teaching secondary social studies in the United States for over 20 years, and have had the most fabulous career working with middle school and high school students, helping to engage them in the study and understanding of the history of the United States of America so that they will be and can be in their future active participants in the government of the United States of America. And as a teacher doing this for over 20 years, I find myself frightened by the fact that I have noticed nationally that the teaching of social studies and the number of hours per day that students are having social studies and history classes is decreasing monumentally. And because of this, I thought it was really important that we use this podcast format to reach out to people around the world, and particularly in the United States, to talk about this, bring it to the forefront, and to find out the reasons why this is happening, and to hopefully uh, explore what could be some solutions. Because what we certainly want is a good, educated citizenry. That leads us to a definition, because if we're going to talk about making good citizens in our country, the United States of America, and of course, conceivably around the world, we have to know what the definition of democracy is. A democracy is a government by the people, especially rule of the majority of the people. Or we can say it's a government in which the supreme power is vested in the people and exercised by them directly or indirectly through a system of representation with regular free elections. So we know from history there are really two types of democracy, right? There's a direct democracy that we found in ancient classical Athens when we studied Greece, and that's where there was active engagement and voting by all citizens. But remember in ancient Greece, all citizens meant male participants in ancient Athens. It did not refer to women, and it certainly didn't refer to foreigners or slaves. But there's also another kind of democracy. That's the kind we have in the United States. We have a representative democracy, which is like what ancient Rome had, which is a republic. And in a representative democracy, we vote for people who vote for us. We sometimes have direct democracy. We can have initiatives and referendums, but most of the time we vote for people and we place our trust in those people to vote for us. And in a representative democracy, 
we have a concentration of civil and political liberties, right? Freedom of expression, freedom of press, freedom to form or join organizations. Those are the definitions of democracy. Now, what is it about civics then? What are we not teaching in the schools? Well, back in the history of the United States, in our early days of public education, from the late 1800s through the 60s, a little bit changing in the 70s, but definitely through the 60s, we taught civics as a part of our social studies. And civics is the study of the rights and responsibilities of citizenship. And it helps us understand how government works. So we had actual classes on what it meant to be a citizen and what your rights are. So we have to dive into what Americans really know are their rights. Because tied with knowing your rights is tied with knowing your history and our founding fathers. And if we don't know that, how can we be good participating voters in a democracy that expects us to participate to create our future that is fair and that is equitable and that is free? You're listening to a podcast from LIU Studios. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this show on your podcast app of choice. For more of our programs or to support LIU Studios, visit WCWP.org. We're talking today on this podcast about how frightening and ultimately dangerous it can be to our country, to the United States of America, if we don't really know what it means to be a good citizen. We can't pair it with the history of our country and understand where we've been. How can we possibly know where we're going? So many kids don't know what uh, the Civil War was, who was involved, what's the time period. And that ties in with a lot of other statistics that are really quite concerning, very concerning. As a matter of fact, if you take a look at a 2011 Newsweek administered United States citizenship test that Newsweek gave to over a thousand Americans, this was really, really uh, disturbing to me and probably to many Americans. They found in this 2011 citizenship test that out of a thousand Americans, 38% of Americans actually failed this test. These were citizenship exam questions on basic rights of Americans. I mean, I find this dangerous and perhaps a little shameful. 61% of those who were questioned did not know which party controls the House of Representatives. And 77% couldn't name either of their state senators. And only one third of those that were uh, given this test could name any of the five rights that are given in the First Amendment. So that's only a third or so of Americans who could name the five rights that are in our First Amendment. In addition, there was another thing that I discovered in a 2013 article in The Atlantic. We find out that only a third of Americans can name all three branches of government. Only 23% know the First Amendment, and that ties in with what we saw before. This was another study that was done a little bit after, so maybe we got a little better at knowing the rights in our First Amendment. And then uh, there was another part that I thought was really very enlightening. And this said that uh, students think President Abraham Lincoln is significant because he had a beard. Now, as a history teacher for many, many years, 
and uh, as I said, a middle school and high school teacher. We would call this the fluff answer in my classroom, that if I uh, asked a student a question or we were debating or discussing something controversial, and I asked them, you know, why is this significant? And if they gave me an answer like that, well, he had a beard. That's why Abraham Lincoln is significant. I'd, I'd smile and I'd say, well, we have certainly given the, the, the fluff answer really well now. And I would certainly tell them that I love being their teacher, but that certainly uh, doesn't fly. When we give an answer about someone being significant because they have facial hair, we want our students to be specific. We want them to know their history well enough that they can make judgments and they can do critical thinking. And that is what civics is all about. When we understand the rights that we have to be living in a democracy in the United States, when we understand that and we know all our rights and we teach that in the room, then we can make significant determinations about our leaders and we can decide if they have led well for us or not so well because we have specifics that we can hold them accountable to. And so what I'm finding uh, in all the research and I'm finding as a teacher myself is that there is what we call a civic achievement gap and that our kids, our students, really are not knowing their country's history and also, again, as we said, what it means to be a good citizen, what their rights are and what they're entitled to. I think part of it is because we don't really explore what makes teaching history successful in a classroom. And so I'd like you to give a listen for a minute of a, a show that was on TV um, many years ago in the 60s uh, called Room 222. Let's listen for a minute about what it means to be a good teacher. Causes in the Civil War. What were they? Marianne. The prime cause of the Civil War was the Southern states' insistence upon holding slaves. Wait a minute. Straight from the book? Yes, sir. Can we go completely by one book? Books disagree. This book is now being revised. This world is being revised, so you'd better start doing some thinking now, some questioning. But, Mr. Dixon, that is the answer. One answer, a simple answer. Was it all that simple? According to Marianne, it was a question of morality. The North felt sorry for the slaves. Is that it? Bernie. No. The North was willing to let the South keep slavery. They just didn't want it to spread. No, the abolitionists were in the North, and they thought it was immoral. And how come the Negro in the North couldn't vote? Is that right, Mr. Dixon? Look it up. Richie. Well, the North had to pay their workers, but the South had slaves. Okay, now we're talking morality, politics, economics. Keep it up. Nicole. Can I come half an hour late on Friday? <laughs> Such a cool little clip from uh, Room 222 that we just listened to, and that was definitely one of my favorite shows growing up and perhaps some of the inspiration be behind myself entering the teaching field. I also wanted to enter the teaching field because uh, I have a sister who detested school. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have teachers like Pete Dixon on the little clip we just heard who was encouraging his students to think, to think, to be critical and uh, to not just take a point of view from one book, as he was mentioning in there, listen to all points of view. You have to know your facts. I had a social studies teacher in seventh grade, we'll never forget him, who uh, used to say that we should not shout out our ignorance. 
And I always loved that because he was forcing us to be specific, just like I said in my classroom that although I adored my students, we were not going to allow for fluff answers. We are not going to say that President Lincoln is significant because he had a beard. We're not going to say that World War I started because it did. We're not going to say that World War II had many causes, oh so many. They were a lot of causes. And if you read essays, you see that a lot, many, many times. So we hear this great teaching on that little clip, and that's really what we're, we're thinking about. Why is social studies being pushed to the side? Now, in future podcasts, we are going to talk at length about legislation from the No Child Left Behind Act to many, many acts that have basically thrown social studies to the wayside in many regards. And we'll look at lots of statistics that are proving that. But today, we're giving an introduction to what is going on. We're talking about the problem in education right now in terms of the lack of teaching of civics and the implications of that. And we're showing really, in a, in a great sense, the implications of not teaching citizenship and not teaching history in an engaging, critical way, in a way that students will remember the story of our past in the United States. And we're seeing additional problems that are based on students not knowing basic facts. I want to add on, and, and again, we're looking at the problem today. It's really about what's the problem. When uh, you go back to 1985, there was uh, a field test for social studies assessment. This is also, you know, pretty shocking to hear some of these statistics. There were 17-year-olds that were randomly sampled, and two-thirds of them could not place the Civil War into the 1850 to 1900 time period. Now, we know the Civil War, well, many don't know. That's why we're having this podcast, it was 1861 first shot at Fort Sumter, to 1865. So it is a four-year bloody war. And I remember being in the classroom and once asking my students, which war was the one that had the uh, most deaths of Americans? In which war did, did the most Americans ever die in? They're spouting out World War I and World War II, and then they said Vietnam, and they're saying, and then one student said, well, it has to be the Civil War because we killed each other. And I said, there you go. There you go. So we want very much to make sure that our students can know about the Civil War, certainly in some of the difficult times like we find ourselves in today with divisiveness in politics, that we want to avoid Civil War. And so we have to understand our history and we have to understand what it means to be a citizen. So as we said in 1985, two-thirds of those sampled, random 17-year-olds could not place the Civil War in that time period of 1850 to 1900. One half couldn't identify who Winston Churchill or Joseph Stalin was. To not be able to identify a major democratic leader like Winston Churchill or a major dictator like Joseph Stalin, if we can't identify who is the democratic person and who is the uh, dictator, then how do we know when one is staring us in the face? If we don't know who they were in the same same sampling of 17 year olds, one half didn't know what the Brown versus Board of Education decision was that integrated our public schools in 1954. So that would bring us to something that could happen today. Then students are not aware. Oh, can Supreme Court decisions be overturned? Well, they certainly can be. And we have numbers of them that have been. 
Brown being one that overturned a segregation case that was called Plessy v. Ferguson in 1896. That said, in 1896, you could keep the races separate. The 1954 decision overturned that in the Brown decision and said you cannot. And so we want our students to know that you can do that. And so what we're doing is taking a look at what it means to be a good teacher also. Give a listen to this clip from uh, the Blind Side movie. I don't understand it. Yet. You don't understand it yet. How big is your head, Michael? Big. And what's in there? A brain. A brain. It's full of knowledge. Like a file cabinet with maps and shortcuts for figuring things out. You'll get there, Michael Orr, because I'm here to help you use those maps and reach your destination like Sacagawea led Lewis and Clark. Sacagawea? We'll get to that, and the history books have it wrong. All you need to know is I'll get you there. Do you believe me? You trust me, Michael? Yes, Miss Sue. Try it again. So heartwarming to hear Kathy Bates playing Miss Sue, the teacher in The Blind Side. And she is sitting um, with Big Mike, if you've watched that movie, and she is tutoring him. And uh, it just really resonates with us as to what a good teacher sounds like when they are working with a student who's struggling. And we have been talking today about how uh, sad it is embarrassing, frustrating, and challenging that the United States is not teaching civics and American history the way we used to, and that American history and uh, civics and social studies is really being uh, thrown to the wayside. Why is it that history and civics is not being taught to the extent that it used to be in American public schools? There are reasons and we want to go into great depth and dive into that. In future episodes, we will dive into the why. Next time, we unravel the results of a 2018 survey conducted by the Woodrow Wilson National Fellowship Foundation that details the sad state of Americans' knowledge of their own history. In other words, didn't climate change cause the Cold War? Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Civics is Dead on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on your podcast app of choice. Or visit wcwp.org slash civicsisdead. I wish you a beautiful day and great peace in your life. <laughs>